All right, next episode of Mrs. Cornaby reading Out of My Mind. We are on chapter 27. Woohoo! The next morning, Mom bounds into my room holding a newspaper. Good morning, my rock star. She greets me. Guess what? Rock star? She's tripping. I turn to look at her. My face says, What? You're famous! Huh? She gets me out of bed, straps me into my chair, unplugs the Meditalker from the charger, and hooks me up. Then she places the morning paper on top of it. There I sat, plastered on the front page of the newspaper, in color. Wow, I type. The article is all about the team winning the competition, but yours is the only picture they used. Interesting. Why me? Mom smiles quickly. Because you are unique and wonderful and lots more interesting than ordinary fifth graders, I guess, she says. The whole article seems to be focused on you. Teen kids won't like that, I type. I'm sure they'll be happy for you, sweetheart. No, they won't. Here, listen to this. She reads me the article. Spalding Street Elementary's talented academic team of fifth and sixth graders won the local Wiz Kids competition last night by a score of 86 to 85. With stunning skill and knowledge, they answered questions far above their grade level to defeat seven other teams. Makes us sound smart, I tap. And so you are, Mom replies. Math questions made me sweat. I get clammy under the arms just thinking about them. Mom continues. Ooh, here's the part about you. Listen to this. One outstanding member of the Spalding team is Melody Brooks, an 11-year-old who has been diagnosed with cerebral palsy. In spite of her physical challenges, Melody's quick and capable mental abilities were able to shine as she led her team to victory. They will hate me, I type gloomily. Butterscotch, who still sleeps in my room, nuzzles my hand. She always seems to know how I feel, but it doesn't help this time. Oh, don't exaggerate. I think it's a lovely article, and your friends should be proud. You don't get it. Mom ignores me and proceeds to get me ready for school. Two blue t-shirts, one to wear and one to pack, just in case. Two pairs of pants. She never picks out jeans. I decide not to argue. I have a feeling it's not going to be a good day. What a great photo of you. I'm going to make sure I get extra copies of the paper. She chatters cheerfully as she tugs on my socks before putting on my sneakers. I've got to make sure everybody at work sees this. Dad has finished dressing Penny, so he brings her into my room. When Penny notices my picture in the paper, she drops Doodle and shouts, Dee Dee! She picks up the paper and kisses it. I bet I won't get many reactions like that at school today. Dad leans over and gives me a kiss on the cheek. I'm so proud I could pop, he says softly. I love you, Melody. That makes me get all teary. Just once I wish I could hug my little sister or tell my dad I love him too. In real words, not through a machine. The reaction at school today is just what I expected. Words, flout, words float out of lips that say nice things to me. But eyes tell the truth. The eyes are cold, as if I had beat the reporter over the head and forced her to print that picture of me. Even Rose acts, acts distant. Nice picture of you in the paper, Melody, she says. Thanks. Should have been all of us. I think so, too, Rose replies. I just sigh. I can't do anything right. I don't want to be all that. I just want to be like everybody else. When we get to Mr. Dimming's class, he strides in wearing another brand new suit. There must have been a two-for-one sale. 
and a brand new smile. He looks like he might explode with happiness. He carries a stack of the morning newspaper with him. I didn't sleep at all last night, he admits to us. I am just so very proud of our team and our school. He pauses while the class cheers for the quiz team. Rose, Molly, and Claire smile happily. Connor and Rodney take bows. A few kids even turn around and look at me with a smile. Do we get free pizza or something? Connor blurts out. Absolutely, Mr. Deming replies. The principal has declared that next Friday is quiz team day and the entire school is being treated to free pizzas and sodas. More cheers from the class. Connor looks really pleased. Mr. Dimming continues, and I want to give a special shout out to Melody, who really helped us secure our victory. Let's give her a special round of applause. He begins the clapping and the class joins in, but it seems more polite than sincere. I guess I'm not as cool as free pizza. Who saw the 11 o'clock news last night? Mr. D asks, still beaming. About half the kids raised their hands. I had missed it. I had fallen asleep exhausted after we got home. I taped it and TiVo'd it and put it up on Facebook, he tells us excitedly. But now we must get back to regular class activities. He sounds disappointed. But how do we get ready for Washington? Rose asks, obviously not ready to let him do that. Teachers are so easily distracted, I knew he'd bite on that one. Mr. Deming smiles again and takes a deep breath. We have only two weeks to get ready, Rose. I've prepared a packet for each of my team champs, he says as he passes out the paperwork. Take this home and bring it back tomorrow without fail. In it, I've included information about how to redeem the free plane tickets and info about our hotel and schedule for the days that we are in D.C. It also gives details about our practice schedule, which begins today. We will meet every day after school and half a day on Saturday. Saturday? Connor asks, disbelief in his voice. I'm worried about that, too. A whole half a day? If Catherine can't come, how will I get to the bathroom or eat? I'll bring bagels for breakfast, fruit for snacks, and we'll order in burgers for lunch, Mr. Dimming tells him. Sounds sort of healthy, Connor replies with a grin, but I'll be there. You skip a practice and you get bounced to the alternates, Connor. I'm in this to win. Why don't you take a couple of days off, my man? Rodney says to Connor. I'd be glad to take your place. Slide you right out in a blink. He sounds serious. No way, man. I'll show, Connor says hurriedly. Molly raises her hand. Mr. Dimming, do the alternates go to Washington also? Absolutely. So should I buy a new dress in case I get to be on the team? That's up to you, Molly, the teacher replies. Claire raises her hand then. Mr. D, I think I know what Molly's getting at. Since there are only since there are six people on the DC team instead of four, which of the alternates will you choose? We will use a point system, he replies. The students with the six highest scores from all our preliminary rounds will make the final TV team. Sound fair? Claire looks satisfied at that, and she and Molly high five each other. Mr. Dimming finally gets back to regular classwork, the study of, of Spain and Portugal, and I do my best to do nothing to call attention to myself. No weird noises or kicks or grunts for the rest of the class. No answers to questions I know. I just sit in the back of the room with Catherine and hope the morning will pass by quickly. I spend the afternoon in room H5 where we watch Tom and Jerry cartoons for three hours. Can you believe it? After school, Catherine feeds me a pudding cup and some juice just before it's time to go to Mr. Dimming's room for our first practice. 
She frowns as I finish my last of the juice. What's bugging you, Melody? She asks. You should be on top of the world, but you're acting like somebody just popped you in the nose. They don't want me on the team, I type. That's ridiculous. You were the star last night. That's the problem. Without you, they would not have won. They're scared of me, I try to explain. They think I look funny. You never let that bother you before, she counters. It's hard to put my feelings into words that will come out right on my talker. I know the other kids are uncomfortable with me on the team. There's no other way to put it. My presence was cute at first, maybe okay for a local competition, but for the big game on national television, that's different. I'll make them stand out, and not in a good way. I start typing again. I make them look, I hesitate, then type in, weird. You're the smartest person on the team, Catherine exclaims. I drool. So pack a box of tissues. I make funny noises. And Connor farts sometimes. I have to smile at that. No more of this feeling sorry for yourself, young lady. Let's get down to Mr. D's room and kick some butt. Okay, let's go, I type. We roll down to the room and I hold my head high. Well, at least as high as I can when it isn't wobbling around. Nobody says anything more about the newspaper article and practice goes on as usual. I answer most of the questions correctly and by the time mom picks me up, I feel a little better. But I do knows. I do notice Rose and Claire and Molly whispering together as I leave. It could be about a new music video or a shopping trip to the mall, or it could be about me. Chapter 28. How can they expect us to get ready in such a short time? Crazy. Plane tickets and permission slips, paperwork and practice. Practice every day for close to two weeks. Study every evening with Mrs. B. Words, cities, states, countries, capitals. Oceans, rivers, colors, diseases, weather, numbers, dates, animals, kings, queens, birds, insects, wars, presidents, planets, authors, generals, laws, quotations, measurements, equations, definitions. My head has been spinning nonstop with facts and figures, but I'm ready now. Our team is ready. Mr. D kept his promise. The six highest scores from all our practice rounds were announced at the last practice session a few days ago. Of course, just like the other kids, I had been keeping a mental tally of everyone's points, so I was pretty sure I'd be one of the on-air contestants, not an alternate. Mr. Dimming almost glowed with anticipation as he made the announcement. He paced nervously. A little more and the man would be dancing. Here we go, he said. I feel like I need a drum roll or something. Read the list, please, Connor shouted impatiently. Mr. Dimming said slowly. The six members of the championship Spalding Street Elementary School quiz team are, he paused. I thought Connor was going to throw something at him. Rose, Connor, Melody, Elena, Rodney, and Molly. Claire and Amanda will be our alternates. I'm an alternate? Claire gasped. Molly beat you by two points, Claire, Mr. D explained. But you still get to come with us and cheer us on toward the city. But it was me that helped her study, Claire said, outrage in her voice. That is so not fair. I just shook my head and smiled a little. There is so much Claire doesn't know about stuff not being fair. Molly looked smug and not at all sorry. 
Her mother came to pick her up and practice was over. The competition is tomorrow, Thursday evening. Assuming we win, we'll have the Good Morning America appearance on Friday, followed by a trip to the White House. More sightseeing in D.C. is planned for Saturday, then we come home on Sunday. On Monday, hopefully, we'll return to school as national champions with that trophy. So tonight we pack. I've never been on a trip away from home before, so we have some serious planning to do. I feel crazy excited, crazy nervous. Dad bought me a bright red suitcase with wheels. It smells like the inside of a new car. Touching it makes me smile. Mom and I went shopping yesterday, something we don't get to do much anymore. We let, she let me choose a couple of new outfits with jeans, none of those practical baggy sweatsuits for this trip. As we roll down the mall, we passed the card shop. I had a brainstorm and tapped out on my board. Go in, get card, please. For whom? Mom asked as we wheeled in there. Catherine, I typed, to thank her for helping me get ready. Oh, how very grown up of you, Mom said, clearly pleased. One for Mrs. V, too? I tapped out. Absolutely. The card we found for Mrs. V could not have been more perfect. The front was completely covered with hundreds of oranges, except for one blue one in the middle. Inside it said, you're one in a million. Thanks. She'll love it, Mom said. For Catherine, I picked out a card that showed a desk full of computers and an MP3 and MP3 players and video games, and a young woman connected to all of them with headphones. It read, glad you're always there to plug into me. Thanks for all you do. Well, you couldn't have designed those better yourself, Mom said as she paid for the cards. Yep, pretty perfect. Around seven o'clock, the doorbell rings. It's Mrs. V coming over to help with the final packing preparations. She and Mom make a great team. I've made a checklist according to Mr. Dimming's suggestions, Mom says. Black skirt and white blouse for the competition. Check, Mrs. V says as she neatly folds those two pieces into my suitcase. Check, Penny mimics. Extra white blouse, just in case, Mom says. Great idea, Mrs. V replies, nodding. Mom carefully folds in two more shirts and my favorite pair of jeans. Comfortable outfits for sightseeing in Washington, spending money for souvenirs, sunglasses, camera. Check, 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 Mrs. V repeats. Pajamas, toothbrush, deodorant, hair clips, all there. A warm jacket, no telling what this March weather will do. Check, Penny cries. Power pack for Meditalker, extra batteries, tissues, and wipes. Got it. Umbrella? For you or for Melody? Mrs. V asks with a laugh. Do you have your bag packed? Yeah, I'm just about ready. I'm nervous too, Mom pauses. You're the best, Violet. I know Penny will be safe here with you while we're gone. And butterscotch, I interrupt. They both laugh. Mom continues. Frankly, without you, there is no way that Melody would be packing for this trip. Get card, Mom, I type. I reach my hand to the side, but I can barely touch the edge of my book bag hanging on my chair. Mom reaches into the bag, pulls out the envelope, and sets it on my tray. I push it toward Mrs. V. She opens it, reads it, and then squeezes me so hard I can hardly catch my breath. This one goes on my refrigerator door, she says quietly. I want to look at it every single day. She busies herself then with dusting off a pair of my shoes that have never taken a step. I'm a little scared, I admit. Oh, nonsense, Mellow Yellow, Mrs. V tells me. I fully expect to see you on Good Morning America with that 10-foot-high trophy. That would be awesome, I type. 
Now, tell me once more, Mrs. B says to Mom, what time does the plane leave tomorrow? Penny, take Melody's underwear off your head, you silly girl. Mom checks her papers. Plane leaves at noon. That means we should get here no later than 9, get to the airport by 10, get all checked in, make sure her wheelchair is properly, properly taken care of and such, then we can relax until it's time to board the plane. Mrs. B scratches her head. I wonder why they chose the noon flight. That'll get you into Washington around 2. The competition starts at 7. It's cutting it a little close. Mr. Dimming told us the hotel has a late check-in policy. The TV studio is just across the street from the hotel, so we'll be fine. As mom closes and zips my suitcase, I feel tears come to my eyes. I can't believe this is happening. In just one day, I will be in Washington, D.C. on national television. I pray I won't screw up. I want to call Rose and see if she's nervous, too. I want to ask her what she'll wear to the White House. Suppose we get to meet the First Lady. Now that would be lit. I want to know if we'll be sitting near each other on the plane. I want to be like all the other girls. I don't sleep well that night. In the morning, Mom gets me bathed and dressed and fed in record time while Dad gets Penny ready. Go see plane? She asks repeatedly. Fly! Whee! Dad says as he flies her around the room in his arms. She loves it. We head outside and Mrs. V hurries over, camera in hand. She snaps pictures of me getting strapped in, my suitcase being loaded, and my brave and hopeful victory smile. Then she does it all over again with Dad's camcorder. No, we'll never be able to forget this morning. Penny darts about, chasing butterscotch, running in circles around the car, which has been washed and shined. Mom, dressed in a cool denim suit and surprisingly a pair of late-style Nikes, loads our bags in the car and we're totally ready to go by 8.45. Dad takes butterscotch back into the house, then locks the front door on his way out. All set? He asks. Let's do it, Mom yells. Even Penny can feel the excitement. She claps her hands. I can't stop grinning. Even though I know we have plenty of time, I keep wanting Dad to drive faster. I'm so afraid that we'll miss the plane or that we forgot my ticket or that I'll throw up and we'll have to go back home. At the airport garage, we have no trouble finding a row of empty handicapped parking spaces. We unload me, my chair, our bags, and Penny and Doodle. Mrs. V snaps more photos. It seems like hours, but in minutes we're at the check-in gate. Mrs. V pushes me. Mom carries Penny. Dad pulls a cart loaded with luggage and doodle. It's 10 o'clock on the dot. Hi, Mom says cheerfully to the uniformed lady at the desk. We're here to check in for the noon flight to Washington, D.C. She hands the lady her tickets. The noon flight? The woman replies with her frown. She types and clicks, purses her lips, then types some more. Finally, she looks up. I'm sorry, ma'am, but that flight has been canceled. We've had loads of cancellations today. A late winter snowstorm in the northeast has called, caused backups all over. Cancelled? My stomach starts to gurgle. Snow? Mom's voice sounds thick. But the weather here is sunny and clear. They've got five inches on the ground in Boston already, and more is predicted for this afternoon farther south. The FAA won't let planes take off in weather like that. So our, whole, so our whole system gets gummed up. Planes due to arrive here and then return eastward get canceled, meaning our afternoon flights can't depart. It's complicated. Sorry. The desk agent continues to type rapidly. She tells Mom, I can get you and your daughter on the next direct flight out, however. 
It leaves here at 7.23 p.m. and will get you into Washington at 9.07. The Weather Service has predicted that the storm system will have fizzled by then, so we can start getting folks where they need to be. Actually, tomorrow it will be all rain. My heart is thudding now. Would you like me to rebook you now? She smiles cheerfully. She doesn't get it. But the competition starts at 7, Mom mumbles weakly. Excuse me, I didn't hear you, the desk agent says. I can't breathe. Mom speaks a little louder. What about the rest of our group? We're traveling together, a group of school children, a quiz team, actually. They were also booked on this flight. We've got a competition this evening. Oh, I remember those kids. They were here early this morning. Great group, so polite and well-mannered. They told me all about the competition and the huge trophy they might be bringing home. They came early, Mom croaks. Seems like they all went to breakfast together and then came straight here. It's a good thing they did too, or they wouldn't have gotten out. Where are they? Mom asks. Oh, they got switched to the nine o'clock flight, the last eastbound plane before to get out before flights started getting canceled. They had to run to the down to the gate, but they made it just in time. I made sure of it. She looks down at her computer. Yes, that flight left about an hour ago. They're gone? Mom whispers. I feel like I'm going to choke. Are you and your family going to D.C. to cheer them on? The woman asks. She still doesn't get it. No, my daughter is on the team, Mom explains. We must get to Washington. Isn't there another flight? Perhaps on another airline? The woman looks at me and blinks. She's on the... She starts to ask, but then catches herself, returns her gaze to her monitor, and begins typing furious, furiously once more. I can hear her fingernails as they click on the keys. Dad places both hands on the ticket counter and leans in toward the agent. I've never seen him so angry. How could this happen? Shouldn't we have been notified that the flight was canceled? We try, sir, but it's not always possible, the lady replies, sounding truly sorry. We do always advise passengers to call ahead and check on their flight status. But this was the trip of a lifetime. You can't possibly understand how important this is to my daughter. I squeeze my eyes shut. Stupid elevator music floats from the tinny airport speakers. I hear no beautiful colors. I smell no lovely aromas. All I can see is the darkness behind my eyeballs. I'm really, really sorry, sir, the lady says. What about a connecting flight? We must get her to Washington this afternoon. The woman types and clicks for what seems like hours. Finally, she looks up. There are no other flights to D.C. on any other carrier, sir, nonstop or otherwise. That weather system has grounded everything. There will be nothing until later this evening. I'm so sorry, she whispers. I open my eyes because they are filling with tears. Dad walks away from the ticket counter, his face scrunched into tight wrinkles. Then, without warning, he smashes his fist into the wall right next to where I'm sitting. I jerk my head up. I know that had to hurt. Oh, I shouldn't have done that, he admits, holding one fist in the other. But if I could have smashed my fist against the wall, I would have as well. Mrs. V looks from Dad to me. I don't understand how this could have happened either, she says to Mom. Shouldn't someone from the quiz team have called you? 
Her voice could crush bricks. The teacher, perhaps? Maybe there wasn't time, Mom says helplessly. At least what that's what I hope. Surely they, surely they wouldn't have left her behind on purpose. I still have not taken one deep breath. I really do apologize, ma'am, the gate agent finally says. I've even checked airports in nearby cities. There are no flights out of the area until this evening. I have plenty of seats on our seven o'clock flight if you'd like me to book you. No, thank you, Mom says quietly. It's too late. The entire airport feels like a vacuum to me. No sound, no voices, no air. Mom walks slowly towards me. I sit there in my new blue and white outfit with new matching tennis shoes next to my shiny red suitcase, feeling very, very stupid and angry. How could they do this to me and helpless? I hate feeling like this, like when I was little and got stuck on my back like a stupid turtle. There was nothing I could do. Nothing. How long does it take to drive to D.C.? Mrs. V asks. I don't even look up. I know the answer. Ten hours at the very least, Dad replies, his voice soft. Go fly airplane? Penny asks. No fly today, Dad says, touching her gently on the head with his good hand. Mom rolls me over to a bench on the other side of the check-in area. She kneels down in front of me. She's crying. I don't think I'll ever breathe again. Mom hugs me. It's going to be okay, sweetie. You're still the best, the smartest, the most wonderful girl in the world. Somehow we're going to get over this. No, I won't. Mrs. V wipes her eyes as well. She sits on the bench and takes both my hands in hers. Oh, baby girl, I know this is hard, but there is just no way to get you to Washington. I just sit there. The morning started out like crystal, but the day has turned to broken glass. And that takes us to chapter 29. What do you think? You think the quiz team left her there on purpose? It's think they did it by accident. So many things to figure out in the next couple of chapters. And yes, I am crying if you are wondering, <laughs> but I'll get a tissue and I'll be all right. Uh, hope you're here for the next episode. Thanks guys. See you later.